yeah, your SEO efforts today might actually be useful tomorrow. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Master. Today, my guest is Ed Zitron, who is the CEO of Easy PR. Ed, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, anytime. I love having PR people on because PR is definitely one of the shortcomings that I have. It's something I, I did not spend enough time studying. Ed is the CEO of Easy PR Media Relations Company based in San Francisco, Boston, and Portland. And he's written a book called This Is How You Pitch. And he was named one of Business Insider's 10 PR people in tech, as well as one of Adweek's 30 Under 30. So, Ed, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what Easy PR does? We are primarily a media relations agency. We're full service, but our real sweet spot is media relations. So in layman's terms, getting people written about on major websites, in newspapers, putting them on television as well. Nice. I think pitching is kind of the topic that we had discussed coming on the show for what if you if you had to define pitching, what would you say that it is? It's a call and response thing. It's basically cold emailing people and trying to get them to do something. In my case, getting them to talk to my client or write about something my client is doing or potentially a partnership my client might have with someone else, for example. So do you guys specifically work with tech companies or is it just the majority are tech? It's the majority. There are many parts of PR that I would just never touch. Obviously, the reprehensible parts, we won't touch pharma, we won't touch weapons of any kind and all that. Not that they come along much, but still. We will also just never touch entertainment, food, that kind of stuff. I just don't believe those fit into any kind of media relations model, personally. And so tech companies usually talking about like SaaS companies and startups, B2B we do a lot of enterprise stuff, usually either very late seed stage, early Series A stage. And SaaS Enterprise, we've done a lot of it. We do really well with consumer tech as well. I mean, we do well with every client. Consumer tech is the easiest. It's the one that I enjoy the most. doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the others. It's just generally less stressful. But yes, we we have found a lot of B2B business recently in particular because most PR firms do such a bad job with them. And here comes ECPR and we do a good job. And that's because we build these relationships with reporters and build up this portfolio of relationships that means we have people we can pitch fairly often. And now building those relationships is something obviously takes some time, but also it helps if you're not wasting reporters' time, which most people try to do a lot. Yes. What would you say is probably if... if Say I have an established SaaS or B2B company, right? I kind of want to get into PR. Where's going to be a starting point there? Like, how do I know that PR is something I want to get into? And, and how do I get that ball rolling? So it really depends. You should have the budget to just hire someone good. But the big thing is you need to have some sort of milestone to speak from. A revenue point, a serious growth metric that isn't just users, it's not 2013 anymore. No one cares unless you have like hundreds of millions of users. If you feel yourself having to stretch the metaphor, you probably shouldn't bother. Or if you've raised a good sized funding round, at least 3 million these days for a seed. Used to be that you'd get series A's that small, but these days things have changed. You want to be at that inflection point. 
Has that change been mostly since kind of COVID hit or has it been kind of something that's in the works for a while? It's been in the works for a while. It has always been more difficult making relationships and understanding these reporters. It always has been. It's never been harder than it was now. Other than like 2008, when I started was quite hard because frankly, when, when I started then, a lot of people were being let go. Yeah, it was the end of the, the dot-com boom was falling. Well, 2008 was the beginning of it was a vicious recession and the Lehman Brothers fallout. Yeah, the credit crunch, they called it in the UK, and the mortgage fallout. I was living in New York at the time when I started in PR, and then you were just seeing people being fired every single week, which is absolutely brutal. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, it was weird because that's kind of – the first year I went out on my own as a marketing agency. So the timing wasn't great. Well, I moved to America in that year, which is another great, great timing move. Yeah, I, I moved to the United States in 2001, which was kind of right before the dot-com. Another great year. Yeah. I actually had a contract. I was, I was supposed to go do a contract for a large multinational corporation. And I was supposed to start on September 12th of 2001. And September 11th of 2001 was the, you know, September 11th disaster, right? You had the Big Trouble, the Big Trouble problem, that movie Big Trouble that was going to be released, I believe, September 11th and had a scene where they sneak weapons past security and it had to be delayed. That's quite a lot. Good movie, though. Yeah. So anyways, they had a hiring freeze and then they never hired me the next day. And anyways, long story short, it worked out in the end because, you know, now I've run my company for years and years and years. But obviously, you know, you worked your way up through PR. What do you think was the hardest thing to break out on your own doing PR? Honestly, breaking out on my own was quite easy. <laughs> so the reason I say that is PR has a real problem with people in the way they see reporters and the way they consume information. I don't believe a lot of PR people actually read the stuff they are pitching. They just kind of spam and hope for the best. Generally, when you've been doing this long enough, sure, you can give someone a brief sniff test and pitch them when you've been doing it long enough. I do not believe most PR people have been. And the issue is that they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. So they can't justify whether a reporter is covering something, perhaps because they find it interesting in that moment for a niche reason, or because they actually generally cover that. The hardest thing was sourcing business, maybe. But when you do a few good jobs on your own, word spreads, especially because startup people are jealous of each other. And so when one of them gets something that the other wants, they look at it and they say, I want that. How do you get that? Oh, I got it through ECPR. And so they hire them. Right. Yeah. Word of mouth, of course, is always a fantastic way to get business. I mean, we're a digital marketing company and, and we still get half of our business on referral. But I don't think I do outgoing business anymore. Yeah, well, we do incoming. Oh, yeah, inbound. But that's basically word of mouth. Yeah. And, well, you know, podcasts are are inbound, I think. I guess it depends how you classify it. I would classify it as inbound marketing. So podcasting has obviously been blowing up. Have you found that doing PR through podcasts is an effective way to use kind of PR marketing dollars? Or do you think it's still in the bigger publications and trade publications or radio, news, TV, that kind of thing? Depends on the publication and depends on the client. 
certain clients in really niche industries will get a great deal out of podcasts, the right podcasts. Certain podcasts are just a fun way to waste time. I think that depending on what you're doing, it really it is so selective. So a really big podcast will do more than most online properties, I'd argue. And it's crazy how effective they are. But the same thing goes with YouTube. The issue is that the funnel grows so, so thin at the bottom where most podcasts reside that it's tough to see that ROI. Most clients I know don't really care about podcasts. They see podcasts as a diversion. And that's because so many of them don't have much ROI, just being frank. Yeah, I mean, nobody is going on our podcast to sell something direct to consumer. It's not a a good use of their time. Well, something like this is creating a body of work. Right. And I mean, we have some very specific industry related, you know, where where people people are here because they want to learn how to grow their business. There's nobody listening to this for like, they're like, man, I just got done with the Ron Burgundy podcast. Now I'm going to try this one, you know. Well, I, th- I think the Ron Burgundy podcast might have died. Terrible idea. Whoever whoever told Kamala Harris to do that podcast should be fired. <laughs> she was literally on that podcast. It's one of the most embarrassing interviews I've ever heard. Truly awful podcast too. But yeah, it really depends. If you can get on the big ones, I think that they have more of an effect than like the Today Show. But the big ones are so rare. Yeah, just like you said with YouTube, right? There's a handful of shows who have almost all of the audience. And then there's a million other shows that have, you know, 50 or less views. The 80-20 or the the, the 80-20 rule where the people that people don't know about that principle is that inside the 20, there's another 80-20. And inside that 20, there's another 80-20. And if you keep burning that down, you know, you get the handful of shows on YouTube that get a million plus views. And then there's 99% who get under probably 5,000. But that 5,000 could be super focused. It really depends what you're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're going on YouTube and you're like, how do I press the button to restart a such and such burner on an oil burning hot water heater tank, which is something I just had to do. That's why I brought it up. (laughs) There's 100 views on there. But you know what? If I need to get this thing fixed, I'm buying that part for that they mentioned in this video. Exactly. Yeah. So if uh, a company is going to go to do media relations on B2B, SaaS, whatever, right, technology type company, do they have to kind of have something that is media worthy or newsworthy to share? Or is that something you can help them create? Depends on the client. Again, I realize I made that answer several times, but... If it is a client that fits into the general zeitgeist, if it's something that is, for example, I work with a 3D printed housing company and they have a great story and it's something that applies to most people and most people can understand it, meaning that you can do just basically not news related pitching constantly. If it's a more like DevOps focused public uh, thing, for example, DevOps focused client, it is difficult to get consistent PR, really is. It is a challenge. And usually that's why you like having these kind of inflection points, the funding announcements, speaking about revenue, things like that are what give you a little bit of energy. They give you a little bit of a boost when you need it, usually to fill that space between announcements. 
but it is more difficult. It's definitely more difficult doing media relations these days. And we have adapted to that doing more project-based stuff than we do ongoing monthly. Sometimes we'll go into monthly retainers. Really depends on the client if we think we can do something. We always have a realistic conversation with said client and say, here's what we think we could get. We have these ideas. What do you think? And usually things go well. I mean, we're very selective on that level. Is there a kind of a feedback loop there to companies to say, maybe you could do something along these lines or work with a charity or do a partnership or something like that so that we can generate something newsworthy? Or you kind of stay away from kind of suggesting or building that kind of thing for them? I mean, we do that. That's part of the service. You have to come to them with some ideas of things they might be able to do. And sometimes they will turn around and say, that is impossible. And you probably stop working with them as a result. It just happens. Like the best relationships are ones where you can be open like that. It really comes down to how obvious is their product? How applicable is it to a lot of people? The funny thing is that even there are some clients out there who have a super applicable story, who tons of journalists would like, the PR people still don't get because I would say the majority of PR people do not know they're awesome, they're at home. I think it's an industry that attracts some truly worthless people, but also a great deal of people who want to be like, they say, oh, I love parties. I love parties. I love people. It's like, no, you don't. You're a sociopath. If you love people, you're an absolute sociopath. It's the old marketing department with the two drink minimum sign over the thing from the old Dilbert cartoons. <laughs> none of these people can drink. It really pisses me off. None of them actually, none of them actually can put it away. They're all two drinks and down. Waste of my time. Have to come up to Nova Scotia sometime. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll show you what I can do. No, I, I, but in all seriousness, I think that there is a, a lack of curiosity in PR and a lack of understanding of their industries that permeates a lot of these big agencies and even medium-sized agencies, even boutique shops still have this problem where they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they just take people and they spam, they spam like 80 reporters and hope something comes out of it. And it, it very rarely does. It's just very depressing. And usually these clients end up coming to me and saying, hey, we had a bad experience with PR. And then they're always pleasantly surprised and everyone's happy and we keep the client, everyone's happy. But that's kind of the problem that there are so many of these charlatans out there because it's not easy to learn stuff. Learning is hard. And learning requires you to learn and synthesize information in such a way that, that you're able to tell a story. And frankly, it's not even telling a story. It's just like, can you put an email together that's going to make a journalist interested? Right. I mean, talking about those types of industries, I mean, SEO is another one of those, obviously. And uh, just digital marketing in general. Yeah, I, if I could find an SEO company that actually worked, SEO's whole industry's awful. I worked with a guy who wasted so much of my money. I'm so tempted to name him, but I'm not going to do it. Just because like all of his ideas for content that we could do on the Future Buzz, which is a marketing site I own, were just terrible and they didn't work. No one clicked. It didn't improve anything. Just I don't believe in SEO companies. I just don't. I think that they're, I think that the best SEO you can get is writing good articles and hoping people read them. I don't think that there is really any gaming SEO anymore. Well, as an owner of an SEO company, <laughs> there is ways to game the system, but I think a really good kind of litmus test. It's not like it was, though. 
No, no, it's not like it was, you know, a few years ago. Actually, the wheels have kind of come off at Google a bit. So, I mean, there's a bunch of new tricks kind of coming out that are kind of, I don't know, they're almost like the zero day exploit thing. They work right now, but they're not going to work again soon. No, and once Google shuts them down, everyone who used them is going to suffer. Right, and then you're screwed again, right? But you should be able to go to an SEO company and point to something and say, show me somewhere that you rank well, that lots of people are interested in and clicking on, that is not about SEO. (laughs) And if they don't have that thing, then you don't hire them. Yeah, I wish I'd have known that beforehand. But there you go. We We all make mistakes. Here's what happens. Any, whether it's PR, whether it's SEO, whether I don't care what it is, if it's something that's complicated that the average person doesn't know how to do or the average business owner doesn't know how to do, it's very easily easy to fall into that trap of hiring someone who doesn't know what they're doing because they can talk the talk. PR and SEO do have some meeting point in that high domain authority place is going to do well for you. I think that it just comes down to Hoping that you can get keywords into an article is always a mistake, but that's kind of more inside baseball. Well, you know, there's a there's been a kind of shift in the SEO world, and this is good for you to they call it inferred linking, which is mentioning a company but not linking to them. And Google will index those. Oh, they finally worked that out, huh? Well, actually, Google apparently has been doing it for years, but they they hadn't put much weight into those as a ranking factor. And that seems to be creeping up to the point now where that is something that you could functionally do. So if you are able to generate inferred links through PR without an actual physical backlink, you know, it might still be a 50 to one ratio to get the same kind of link juice as a backlink. But that's 50 to one now. It was 100 to one a year ago, and it might be 10 to one a couple of years from now. Yeah, your SEO efforts today might actually be useful tomorrow right your pr of getting the name of the company out there on all these different sites is going to add up to more later so it's kind of a getting the jump start on technology that's upcoming i mean that's the whole idea right is is you know as i'm in canada right now it's the whole wayne gretzky thing right you don't skate where the puck is you skate where it's going to be and that's where seo is going it's heading the direction of being a combination of pr and uh well you know inferred links And my theory with SEO is eventually Google is going to do what they can to try and annihilate a lot of the SEO gaming, like the the whole very clearly written as SEO articles might have real trouble, which is going to really make affiliate marketing problematic. But that's a future problem. Well, you know what? I think they kind of might have given up on that a little bit recently. Oh, it's Google. It's Google. They'll pick it up at random. When you look at a Google results page, there is so much advertising now. It's so bad. It takes up the whole first page, whether you're on a phone or a computer or what. And so do they really care about SEO at this point? Because they don't give a shit if there's, you know, 15 different types of websites you can look on at first. They might care if there's a serious antitrust effort against them. That's true. That's true. There might in that case. But uh, the antitrust effort is around advertising. So, you know, because it's saying, you know, well, you and Facebook own 80% of the ad market or whatever percentage they say it is now. You know, that's not really talking about SEO, but they do have the whole thing with more and more of the things you look up pointing back to Google owned properties is a problem. Yeah, it's about to get interesting. (laughs) You know who needs a good PR person? It's fucking Google. Jesus, they've made some bad moves lately. 
Well, they also have too many PR people, but that's always been a Google problem. No, I mean, they need a good PR person. Not whatever it is they've been doing so far. Yeah. So there's some poor person in PR at Google listening to this. and They're like, what? <laughs> what did he say about me? I'm like, look what you do all day. That's the problem. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. Ed, it was fantastic to talk to you today. I, uh, If somebody has a tech company that wants to get some actual effectual PR done, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? You can email me at ed at ezpr.com or you can catch me on Twitter at Ed Zitron, E-D-Z-I-T-R-O-N. Perfect. Ed, thank you for sharing your PR knowledge with us and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.